श्री गुरु वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जाए और भक्तवृंद की जाए गौ प्रेम इवनिंग So we're continuing this evening to speak on the third verse of Sri Chaitanya Dev Shikshastakam. Trinadupi sunichena tororpi sehishnuna manino mana dina kirtaniya sadahari. As we discussed yesterday evening, this verse of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu speaks to us about the stage of nishta, these stages of bhakti have been um, detailed, I should say, called out by Sri Rupa Goswami in his Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, beginning with initial shraddha, faith, sadhusanga, bhajanakriya, anartha nivritti, nishta, stage we're talking about here tonight, relative to this verse of Shikshastakam, then comes Ruchi, Asakti, Bhava, and Prema. <clears throat> Up to Ruchi, it is all Sadhana Bhakti, then Bhava Bhakti, then Prema Bhakti. <clears throat> so, here we find in Nishta some correspondence with Shraddha. Shraddha is the beginning of the path, and and some, sometimes this nishta is described as firm faith, kind of a conviction. So there's pliable and tender faith. Rupa Goswami has used some different words to describe that in his Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, where he speaks about the adhikar or the eligibility for treading the path of bhakti. <clears throat> there he speaks about komal shraddha, tender faith as opposed to firm faith that um, is uh, not uh, uh, swayed by argument, for example. Um, and then the kind of faith that is so well informed by the scriptural argument that not only is it not swayed by it, but it can uh, convert the uh, argument or defeat the argument. <clears throat> the implication there, of course, is that the more one's faith is informed by Shastra, the more eligible one is or the, the better suited one is to tread the path. If you know what you're doing, it's you're better able to do it, <laughs> to put it uh, simply. <clears throat> And faith, of course, as far as being the initial stage of bhakti, which gives us eligibility to tread the path, means shastriya shraddha. It means faith in shastra, faith in in revelation, <coughs> faith in uh, the merciful nature of Bhagawan, the necessity of the outrage, if you will, of Bhagavan towards us in order for us to know him. It is said in the Shruti that, that uh, what is it? 
Anyway, if God, if one, if God wants one to know oneself, then one can know. Otherwise, it's not possible. Pujapat Sridhar Maharshi used to like to give a nice example of um, UFOs, the unidentified flying objects. So you might go into your backyard and see a spacecraft there, a UFO. When you run to tell your friends and bring them to the back porch, of course it's gone. And uh, so if the UFOs want to show themselves to you, they, can, they will. If they don't, no one else can see them. And of course, if you have seen them, you have a problem because no one will believe you. <laughs> but you have seen, so you have to find other people who have seen, other crazy people, and form a sangha to investigate what was that. What was that experience? What was that all about? Mm-hmm. So, um, some people are chosen, as I said, so to speak. And this is all, of course, based on what might be the precursor to faith we call Sukriti, Bhakti Unmukhi Sukriti. If you take a seed and plant it in the ground, mm-hmm. you're a farmer, right? So, you, you, you know. You plant a seed in the ground, then when the seed comes up above the ground, we say, oh, here, there it is, it's an apple tree, or what may be the, whatever may be the case. But, of course, the farmer knows that there's also something going on beneath the ground that's unseen to the naked eye. The seed is, is separating and the roots are going down and so forth. So this is analogous to the, that which, which happens to us, hmm? Before Shraddha, before faith, before coming up above the ground and it's apparent, oh, he's a, a devotee. Hmm? He believes in this. Hmm? Uh, he's taken by this. She's, 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 she has faith in this. Uh, so this is agyata and gyata, sukriti, unknowingly and knowingly being involved in bhakti. While we tend to feel that our faith is well-reasoned and there's some truth to that and we should apply reasoning, in relation to faith and revelation, the fact of the matter is that it is Bhagwan's outreach to us that makes us predisposed to a particular type of reasoning hmm, that enables us to identify with, with the philosophy, for example, of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, which, like any philosophy, we should know, because we'll find them in due course when we try to make our faith more reasonable, has holes in it. It means to say that the subject matter hmm, is such that it does not lend itself to be comprehensively um, uh, arrested, captured in words, in mind, in reason, and so forth. Philosophy is, is really, well, theology, I should say, reasoning about revelation. Hmm? its significance, and so forth. Uh, so that which the mind going to returns, the Shruti says, that which words going to return, they, don't, they can't do justice to it. Hmm? Uh, well, Shankar will say, ikshatayar na shabdat, you can't describe it in words, therefore it's not this, it's not that. Hmm? What it is, can't say, but it, we can say it's not this, it's not that. 
But the Gaudias take a step further and they say, it's true, it's not this and it's not that, but it's not that we don't have anything to say about it either. We cannot say enough about it. That is our problem. Hmm? Um, so, much to be said, and still words do not do justice. And to reason about an experience that transcends reason hmm, is a limited exercise. Hmm? To reason and to articulate reasonably, logically, about something that transcends reason, this is, uh, we can only go so far with that. Hmm? Um, but nonetheless, we find this, the, the philosophy to be very satisfying. <laughs> answer all, answer all, all the questions. And the, the holes in it, when they appear to us, we, we, we don't find them to be as gaping as those who do not have the Sukriti and therefore the psychology and the predisposition for uh, bhakti philosophy, for, the, for the philosophy and for bhakti, which comes from bhakti. So bhakti comes from bhakti. Bhaktya sanjataya bhaktya. And so bhaktas, the bearers of bhakti, sadhus, are moving in the world. In the Bhagavatam uh, calls these luck. That's what they are. Fortune. Bhagya. Um, what is the word? Atibhagya, but, but Yadrichaya, Sukadev appeared on the scene, Yadrichaya, to uh, Raj Parikshit, and the Parikshit's good luck, good fortune, hmm, was created. So they are creating good fortune. Unknowingly, we become involved in bhakti. And if bhakti is, um, is, is, is alive as it is, and so forth, then contact with that has effect whether we think about it, know about it or or not. This is called Sukriti. So it's kind of unknowingly we get involved. Then with some knowing we're involved. Hmm? And then it reaches the point where that uh, we call faith. If it's the seed, has the, 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 the sprout has come above the ground and and uh, uh, it's obvious it's going up. Hmm? So I'm looking towards the sky with faithful eye, and 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 again that sadhu sangha that that brought about that faith hmm, through sukriti and and that predisposition for the arguments, if you will, in favor of bhakti. Not that they're not good arguments; they're quite good, <laughs> but still, uh, uh, philosophy has its uh, limitations. Theology to be the ability to reason about that which transcends reason and so forth. So, uh, once that faith ar- it awakens, then what? Then we have sadhu sangha with faith. Without faith, we got sadhu sangha. Now, with faith, we pursue sadhu sangha. Uh, we we pursue like those UFO people, a society of UFO people who have seen hmm, crazy people. We join them, <laughs> take advantage of that sangha, try to understand what that was about, talk about that, explore the possibilities, and so forth. And of course, to go on briefly in the context of that, we find a guide hmm, amongst the sadhus who stands out to us by example and by by precept. We find compelling, hmm, and so we have to take uh, hold on there. We make our case known. Your siksha, your instruction has captured me, now I'm capturing you. So the guru inadvertently 
by speaking about Krishna, by trying to deal with his or her problem, hmm, I've got to talk about it, what's happening to me. Other people become affected by that. Hmm? Then they, they become captured by that, and then they capture the guru. They say, we make our claim here, we have to, you have to give us shelter, and so forth. And then bhajanakriya, this stage, where we go in a systematic way, guru-guided way in our practice, and in the course of bhajanakriya, the unwanted things come out. Hmm? Anarthas, anarthanivitti, then we come to this stage, nishta. So it's a, now it's a firm faith. Hmm? It's, uh, it's, it's much more informed by the scriptural argument. Hmm? And it's not encumbered either by um, many base desires, um, false values, and so forth. So, a kind of, as I was saying last night, a kind of an interim goal, if you will, kind of a cusp that takes us from going up the hill to now going downhill to enter the valley of love of God. Hmm? Um, so, this verse is about such bhakti, nishta, nishtita bhakti. And uh, while Sri Rupa Goswami, as I mentioned, has described these different, st- listed, named um, these different stages, uh, Later in the tradition, we find other devotees explaining them at length. Vishwanath Chakrabarti Thakur, for example, has written a beautiful book, Madhurya Kadambini, describing the two verses that name these different stages and to a large extent uh, uh, trying to play them out and turn them into something concrete, uh, explain uh, the implications of them and so forth. Uh, It's not complete, it's not comprehensive, but... Uh, it's it's considerable hmm? and very useful his uh, uh, elaboration upon such stages and um, therein he makes the case that there are two types of nishta and as much as this verse of Sri Chaitanya is about this stage of nishta these two things are mentioned he mentions Kirtaniya Sadahari and this of course is the main focus in a sense this is Sakshad Hmm. Vartani Bhakti. Hmm. Uh, directly Bhakti. Hearing, chanting about Krishna. Kirtaniya Sadahari. Uh, it pr- primarily means, of course, Nam Kirtan. But then there is Guna Kirtan, Lila Kirtan. Uh, but Kirtaniya Sadahari, to always be engaged in chanting, or by implication, uh, uh, always be engaged in, in devotional service and so forth. And uh, he. This is the the primary, if you will, the idea of nishta, steadiness with regard to Hari Bhakti, to to Swarupsita Bhakti, that Bhakti that is directly Bhakti. There are things that may be indirectly Bhakti, hmm, that become Bhakti by way of our uh, engaging them. The flower growing is not Bhakti, but you might grow flowers for the deities. But chanting is Bhakti. Whether you do it knowingly or unknowingly, consciously or unconsciously. So direct involvement in Navalakshan Bhakti, for example, this is the emphasis here. But the other side of it is these qualities that we've been describing and talking about that the verse speaks of humility, tolerance, respecting others, expecting no honor for one's own self and so forth. 
So these are things that are favorable to bhakti. So there may be steadiness or nishta in relation to things that are favorable to bhakti and then steadiness in relation to bhakti itself. Hmm? And we would like to think that these two things come together, so to speak. But we find, we may find, steadiness in humility and forbearance, uh, and, uh, friendliness, uh, politeness, and, and so forth, in devotees who have not attained actually the stage of nishta. And conversely, we may find in devotees who have attained nishta some... Uh, residue of uh, the influence of Thomas and Rajas, which might not make them to be the most pleasant persons in all respects at times. Uh, uh, example, uh, Prabhupada used to like to give in a general way, and it applies very much to what we're talking about with regard to the stage of Nishta, the pulling out of the plug of the fan it still takes a little while for the fan to stop going around. Hmm? The Bhagavatam puts it like this, and it says, Nasta Preshu Abhadreshu Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya. Nasta Preshu Abhadreshu Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya. Bhagavati Uttama Shloki Bhakti Bhavati Naishtiki. So, it says, this is describing Nishta, that, oh, m- most things are destroyed. Hmm? Most inauspicious things are destroyed, but it means there's something still left there. Hmm? Uh, following that, Bhagavatam says what? Tadada jastamo bhava kama lubadayasthaje cheta etaranabhidham sthitam sattve prasidati. So the influence of Rajas and Tamas may still be there, but they do not get in the way of his or her bhakti. Hmm? They may appear, it's unbecoming, hmm? in a sense, but we have to look deeper and see that it has not gotten in the way of their their bhakti. Hmm? And so we look more, really, towards the steadiness in bhakti hmm, than we do in that which is favorable to bhakti. Then again, steadiness in that which is favorable to bhakti will beget steadiness in bhakti in due course. So these things have been stressed here by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and they come first. In a sense, it might be, become tolerant, become humble, cultivate this, this will enable you to become steady, help you, assist you in becoming steady in, in, in bhakti itself. It's also said, uh, Vishwanath Chakwati Thakur mentions that there is steadiness in, in, in bhakti with regards to the, the body, words, and mind. Hmm? So one may be steady in physical devotional service, picking the Tulsi, hmm? um, 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 preparing the, uh, the the cooking, things like this, physical activities. Uh, one may be steady in chanting and dis- discussing the Bhagavat, for example. One may be steady internally, mentally, by remembering Krishna, meditating upon Krishna. And sometimes it's thought, uh, the Thakur explains that this is a progression from bodily engagement to words engagement to mind engagement. But he counters that by saying that while some believe that evidence, there's evidence to the contrary, and the evidence to the contrary is that 
based on different people's constitutions, their physical strength, their mental strength, and so forth, one may be more readily able to in, become steady in mental bhakti. I don't mean that in a negative way. <laughs> Sometimes it's used like that. But to absorb the mind and others with greater physical strength, perhaps maybe better capable to more readily be steady with regard to such uh, physical activities of devotional service and also with, with chanting. So it's not necessarily a progression or an order in which we find this steadiness in bhakti herself directly, um, uh, uh, not necessarily in order by which it uh, develops. But these are some, some uh, thoughts, some elaboration on bhakti. I bring it up mostly relative to the idea that and that there are two types of steadiness, and both of them are mentioned in the verse here. We've emphasized um, that which is favorable to bhakti and 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 humility, tolerance, and this is the primary emphasis of the verse. And it's and of course it says, therefore, by this, if you get this in place, if you become steady in these things, then steadiness in chanting will come. Hmm? And this kind of steadiness in chanting then. With, in which one can do attentively, this will in due course beget prem. So this is kind of a cusp, a turning point, if you will, in our bhakti, an interim goal that we can set our sights on um, in pursuit of the ultimate goal of, of, of prem and lila seva and so forth. <clears throat> Very practical. So we talked to some extent about... Um, Humility, uh-huh. um, and the verse also mentions tolerance. We touched on it slightly, but maybe we should speak a little bit more in detail about that. The humility of the grass or the straw on the street and so forth. Sometimes it said lower than the straw on the street. Lower than the grass, well, because it said you step on the grass, it just bends over. But when you let go, it comes back up. Hmm? So they say to say, "I'm lower than the grass." Hmm. Sometimes it's sometimes it's it's translated lower than the straw on the street. If you step on a straw on the street, it's already laying flat. <laughs> it's not going to bend back up. So this is inconceivable that I'll be lower than the straw on the street, lower than the uh, than than the blade of grass. Um, so we strain our mind to think, what what could that be? Hmm. And the different ways to uh, to think about that. Um, of course, one way is, as we were speaking briefly last night, this stage is really about coming outside of the world of the mind, that small world, and seeing how small we actually are and how comforting that is, inasmuch as with the apprehension of our smallness, the bigness of Bhagwan is also realized. This is kind of the beginning, I want to say, of a, of a point where the theological Krishna starts to become a real person. The theological person hmm, starts to become a real person. Hmm. And we realize, uh, somebody asked me the other day, what is the meaning of ruchi? That's the next stage. I said, oh, in ruchi, one doesn't believe in the world anymore. Hmm? Now we, 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 we might believe in God, or we 
we kind of believe in God, but we believe in the world <laughs> much more. And therefore, rather than taking re uh, taking uh, uh, our uh, considering our that God is our maintaining, we're busy maintaining ourselves. We believe in the world, and that we have to be plugged into that in order to survive and so forth. And Richard has no more belief in the world. And truly, the theological person has become a real person. Hmm? Sharanagati is in place in the central focus of this, the hub of Sharanagati, the Sruplakshan of it, the primary characteristic is God is my maintainer. Hmm? Hmm. This, we, we, this, this is what Gita meant, Sarvadharman Purittajamam Ekam, Sharanam Braja. Tread the path, Shraddha corresponds with Sharanagati. Hmm? Sharanagati is centered on that Gopritve Vananam Tada. God is made, Krishna is maintaining me. I don't depend on Indra. This is what the Govardhan Leela is about, for example. We're reading about in the morning. Um, and erecting this stage, the, theatrical stage, if you will, of Sharanagati, which is completed in Ruchi, the stage of Ruchi, then when the stage is erected in the heart, you can be sure that the drama of Krishna Leela is coming to a theater near you, hmm? <laughs> in your heart. Hmm? Uh, Mahaprabhu says, So, it's be slight beginning in Nishta, what the theological person is becoming a real person. There's a re that which I believed in, hmm? with my komal shraddha, my tender faith, supported by some logic, as incomplete as it may be, but I'm predisposed towards it, supported by that, and what little I know of scripture and so forth, has, under my guru's guidance, I've engaged sufficiently that, that I'm starting to get some consistent uh, experience. And... The other world is, is, is no longer theoretical, uh, just a theological world, a philosophically real place, but it, it, it's, 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 it's the ground that now I'm starting to stand on. Hmm? Firm ground. Hmm? And, and as we move from Nish to the Ruchi, that medicine becomes food. Hmm? Now the medicine is chanting, Aushadi. What does he say? Bhakti Vinod? Enachya Shodhi Maya Hoyinu Avutar. Enachya Shodhi Maya Hoyinu Avutar. But the, now the, the medicine becoming food. In, in, in Nishta, the, it's still medicine, but, but so much of the disease has been removed hmm? that, um, that you don't have to be forced to take the medicine. <laughs> Something like that. Then it will become the food. To sit down and, and chanting will be like to sit down and eat your meal. You don't have to think about that. You're, when, when is when is the next meal? We're thinking. Hmm? Should be coming. Should be time to eat pretty soon. Hmm? Something like that. So it's <laughs> kind of interest in bhakti, attachment to bhakti. Conversely, nadanam nadanam nasundarim kovitumba. No interest in the world. Hmm? Not the arts, hmm? not learning for its own sake, not the need for emotional relationship, wealth, 
prestige of followers and so forth, to be the one that's heard and sounds good, and no need for these things. The Ishwar uh, of the world, who resides in the heart, has been kicked out, dethroned, and the Pranishwar has been replaced in the heart. Now the Lord of my love, hmm? the Lord of my bhakti, we are not devotees of the Paramatma, but Bhagavan and Swayam Bhagavan. Shāyam shāma sundaram achinta guna swarupam govinda madipurusham tamaham bhajāmi premanjana curita bhakti vilochanena santasadevaridaishu vilokayanti yam shāma sundaram Hanuman is there, you know, the famous picture, tearing apart his chest because he heard Sitaram is in your heart. I've got to get to them. Something like this. Uh, so, <laughs> so in our deity, our Ishtadi, there's Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Radha Govinda, Gaurnitananda, hmm? these are the, the Gaudiya deities. Hmm? Um, Krishna, Balaram, Krishna, Vrindavan. Hmm? So the Paramatma is the Lord of the world. If you have no world in your heart, hmm? he has no, no business there. So he's replaced so to speak. This is, of course, all poetically speaking, replaced with the, the Lord of her life. So, Mama Janmani Janmanishwari Bhavatad Bhakti Rahaitakitohi. Mama Janmani Janmanishwari. In this verse, the next verse after this we're speaking about briefly, Ishwara is used twice, once as the Paramatma, once as the Ishta Devata, the Lord of my life, the deity of my, of my, of my Bhakti. Hmm? Uh, so this Nishta, you see, it's just coming in that direction. How attractive that sounds. It's just kind of just, just in between. Hmm? You're intellectually fixed enough, your bhakti is informed enough by, by um, understanding the scriptural argument and having applied it that with the force of your intellectual understanding you can hold off the force of the principal material uh, desires, distractions, the very mind's tendency to be distracted. Hmm? Well, we cannot sit unless we've walked properly. Hmm? Right? We find this in the Gita, in the sixth chapter, where Astanga Yoga is described. First he talks about t- walking. Hmm? You have to walk in such a way that you can sit. As if, you don't, if, if, you don't, if your walking doesn't correspond, then you can't sit. In other words, how you conduct yourself in the world in relation to things and so forth will determine how much you can sit and not think about things and not have to get up because of there's things to do. Hmm? There are things to do. <laughs> but, we, but we're not a thing, so what do we have to do with them? We don't have a thing to do with them, <laughs> actually. But we think there are things to do. And they're doing us, actually. We're doing the things, we think. The things are doing us. <laughs> So with the, with the force of the scriptural argument that one is really in, in, well informed by hmm? uh, and the subsequent practice that's followed from that, hmm? one has the ability to hold in check, so to speak, the force of the mind's uh, attraction to sense objects, which has been spontaneous for eons without thinking about it. It just goes there. Imagine if your mind would go like this to bhakti, to Krishna. This is the difference between nishta 
anasakti, in a very basic sense. In nishta, <laughs> we hold the mind back hmm, from the world, force of our practice and so forth, and we're successful in that. We can pay attention. Hmm. It would, if we didn't hold, it would go automatically. In, in asakti, the mind automatically goes to Krishna. It's a problem. Hmm? It's a problem for functioning in the world. You have to forcibly draw it back to the world and be preoccupied with the business at hand, so to speak. I sometimes, a number of times, watched Prabhupada wrestle himself down to talk to me. Hmm? I felt he's wrestling himself down to deal with my questions. And my, uh, I thought, this is very compassionate, very kind. Hmm. You know, it's uh, as a side point. It's it's the the, the normal, the, the natural uh, course is to be um, uh, to to dwell in that which one is preoccupied with. Hmm. Right? But uh, the greatness of real empowered preachers and so forth is that they they they, they become preoccupied with our necessities. Hmm? wrestling themselves down from where they would naturally go. Hmm? Hmm? This is compassion to deal with us and so forth. So, so anyway, Nishta, I want to say here, there's, there's much ahead of this, but this is the beginning of a real experiential spiritual life on a consistent uh, basis. So it's very powerful and very encouraging state. And the bhakti becomes steady. It cannot be interrupted. Hmm? Uh, we, we we kind of move from here in in nishta bhakti, which is um, apratihata, to ruchi bhakti, which is ahoytuki. Hmm? You understand? From uninterrupted to unmotivated. Hmm? What by force of our intellect and scriptural understanding we forego hmm? in nishta hmm? is is no longer there in Ruchi. We don't have to think about it. There's no interest in such. It's gone. And it's been replaced. I'm attached to bhakti. I want only bhakti. And from wanting only bhakti, I want only the object of bhakti. This is asakti. Then we enter. Then we graduate from sadhana bhakti. We enter into the world of bhakti and ecstasy. Bhava bhakti. As Nishta's informed faith by scriptural argument and by by some consistent practice, hmm, Bhava Bhakti is completely informed faith. Hmm. The Sambandha is complete. Sambandha Gyan. Knowledge of my relationship with Bhagawan has become apparent. My Bhakti is informed. I am pursuing then a particular relationship with Krishna. So, as you can understand, the more informed our action is, the more fruitful our action will be. Hmm? So in, from bhav, then brain will come very quickly. Hmm? But here's the beginning of really informed. This is kind of the crossover from komal shraddha, tender faith, to f- firm faith, strong faith. Hmm? It's not, perhaps, it's not... F- it's fairly well informed from the scriptural argument. Therefore, 
Bhagavad says about it, nasta prayeshu abhadreshu nityam bhagavata sevaya. Hmm? Bhagavat is the natural commentary on the sutras of Vyas, hmm? the Brahma sutras, which gives which is the concordance of all of the sacred texts, what they mean, how they fit together, how these apparently uh, contradictory uh, statements of the shrutis and Prana and so forth, how they're all actually speaking in a concerted way. This is the effort of a Vedanta Sutra. It's the first exercise really in human, in human society of theology to make sense out of revelation. Hmm? And Bhagavatam then is a commentary on the sutras. So as much as the sutras are the logic of the scriptures, hmm? so Bhagavatam is a kind of a logic as well. It's obviously much more than that. Uh, also, but nasta prashubadishu nityam bhagavata seva, regular study of the bhagavatam. Hmm? This is uh, how Bhagavata itself describes this stage of nishta. It implies fairly well informed as to the scriptural argument. This corners us. Hmm? Prabhupada used to say, and we have written 60 books and so forth, and the implication was that we were supposed to read, be reading them, studying them. I was famous for selling Prabhupada's books. Hmm. Some of you may know the history in that regard. And uh, um, I was the most famous person for selling Prabhupada's books to the point of... Anyway, uh, <laughs> Prabhupada, but, 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 but when, when my exploits, if you will, of selling books was first reported to Prabhupada by one of my godbrothers, who had written to Prabhupada about me, Prabhupada wrote back, oh, it's very nice that he's doing this service. And then he wrote in his own handwriting, but be sure he always reads the books too. Because hmm? I was just a very young devotee at the time. And so, of course, they brought... In those days, we used to, any letter that came from Prabhupada, that would become public. We have everybody, it's a letter for, for about, you know, it came so-and-so from Prabhupada. It would be read and shared and so forth. It was very charming in those days. Uh, uh, we're just a, f- uh, a family of kind of like we have here, <laughs> not a big corporate uh, institution. Um, so I took it to heart mm-hmm, to, to to read Prabhupada's books and uh, and to, to study the scriptural argument and and so forth. And this corners us. It really it makes it it makes it difficult for us to act. Contrary, it's it's it, it it without being a hypocrite, you know you're a hypocrite. If you <laughs> something like that. so, it's 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 difficult. It makes you difficult to live with yourself unless you change yourself. And Bhagavatam is about changing yourself. Hmm? It's not about staying the same. That's the problem. About changing, hmm? about transformation. About astasatpikubikar. Hmm? That means all these transformations of ecstasy. It has to begin here with a little humility. Like this. <laughs> you have to be able to bend like this before you expect your hairs to stand on end and your joints to separate in ecstasy like Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in Kirtan. Hmm? Uh, so, to humble oneself before the Bhagavatam, hmm? to, how we would we do that? We, we study the Bhagavatam to hear what I need to hear. Hmm? What is that submissive hearing? I'll hear in such a way, read, study in such a way, and under good guidance also, such that that I know that's right. Yes, that's true. 
then I have to incorporate that in my life. That becomes one of the foundational stones then of the house of bhakti that I'm building in which Radha Govinda will reside. Hmm? We, I used to go to the lectures and when I was in ISKCON years ago and I would go to the lecture and I would think if I could get one point from this lecture, just one point, hmm, that I'll think, yes, hmm, then I think it's a good lecture. Hmm, something like that. <laughs> so, with that, that kind of hearing, hmm, then we can tolerate some pretty bad classes sometimes. <laughs> but anyway, that kind of uh, submissive hearing with a view to, to progress, not just to accumulate information, it, uh, and then regurgitate it and turn the heads of people and become proud of oneself, but to change oneself. Hmm? And speaking based on a heart that's been changed, speaking coming from a changed heart, that will change hearts, the hearts of others, not just turn their heads. Hmm? It will change their hearts. Hmm? So, from heart to heart, something like that. This is the idea. So, therefore, it is said what? That... Uh, regular study of the Bhagavatam. Hmm? This, this, this is how Nishta is described. And the uh, in his Pranam verse, his Namaskar verse, a specific Namaskar verse of Chaitanya Charitamrita, where Vrindavan Krishnadas Kaviras says, Vande Shri Krishna Chaitanya Nitananda Sahodito Gorodai Pushpavanto Chitto Samdo Tamonudo. How this Gornatananda came the world to give some dough, to give the complete benediction, tamonudo, remove the negative and give the positive. What is the negative? Paranam kaitava. His name is cheating. He takes the form of dharma, artha, kama, moksha, vansha, desire for economic development, uh, religiosity. Uh, uh, mukti, dhamma, sense indulgence, and so forth. Desire for these things. And replaces them with desire for bhakti. And how does it do that, he says? The Gornatinanda do this to us by bringing us in touch with what? Two Bhagavatams, he says. Two Bhagavatams this is where the idea comes from. Krishna das Kaviraj Goswami Mahashai Kijai. Two Bhagavatams, he says. The person Bhagavatam, hmm, who's a crazy person, a babuka. Hmm? <laughs> Who drank the, the nectar of Bhagavatam and passed out. And when he got up, what did he do? Drank it again. Pibata Bhagavatam Rasamalayam. Mahur. Oh, movie Bhavaka. This this kind of person, a mad person, hmm? and the book Bhagavatam. These two types of Bhagavatam. So we should read the Bhagavatam under the guidance of the book, the person Bhagavatam. And what kind of reading will that be? If, if these are two types of Bhagavatam, we know that if we serve under the person Bhagavatam, well, we have a certain effect. So the reading, if if it's to be. If the, per, if the book Bhagavatam is to be taken advantage of, we can understand it's not just information collecting. I remember we were sitting with Sridhar Marsh once and some of the devotees were asking questions and he said, I'm not an information board. Hmm? 
just to satisfy your intellect, your curiosity, to titillate your intellect. That's not my purpose here, to change you, hmm? uh, to speak in, in that way. So that's why we sometimes say, he used to like to say, the scripture is this passive agent of divinity and the sadhu is the active agent. So the book is the passive agent and the, the sadhu is the active agent. The book can't ask you, so did you understand? But the sadhu can say, did you understand? You go, yes, and say, prove it to me. What does it mean? You repeat it now. And then we show, well, I didn't understand, and I lied about it too. <laughs> so I didn't want to make a mistake. We should always know that making mistakes is not a problem. Hmm? Making mistakes is, is not a problem at all. It's, 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 it's what we learn from, whether we learn from making mistakes. If we don't learn from making mistakes, then that's a problem. If we don't admit we make mistakes, then this is a problem. We're afraid to make a mistake because we think that will be wrong if I make a mistake. No. How you re if you make a mistake, then you can learn what is the right thing to do. When someone devotee makes a mistake, we chastise them, and then they become, they become morose and, oh my God, I've been stop it already. <laughs> You learn from that. This is now you have a chance to learn to go forward. So, at any rate, so the book, the, the person can go after us, to speak. But the book can also go after us. It depends on our development, the stage of our development, how much the book will speak to us. As we hear the book from the from the person, Bhagavatam, and explained, and so on and so forth. And the purports need commentaries. The commentaries need commentaries. Don't be mistaken about this point. If you think, well, if I could just get Rupa Goswami's commentary, then I'd have the whole thing. Every commentary is relative to the time and circumstance. You're going to take your audience into consideration and think of all the arguments you think they might come up with and then try to write the commentary accordingly and explain it and so forth. But there will always be new arguments, new thoughts, new currents of thought, and so the need for new arguments. And, and then the purports, like I can read some of Prabhupada's purports and I know what was happening in Iskon at that time, what was on his mind, and why he was writing like that. Hmm? But someone now who doesn't have that experience, they won't be able to draw that from the purport. Hmm? Necessarily, so obviously we can all we draw, draw something from that and much from all the commentaries. But we need commentaries for the contemporary times in which we live. This is the whole living idea of the tradition of Guru Parampara. Someone might say, "Well, I don't know. You know, if Prabhu was here, I don't know what he would say." We say, well, "Then you don't know what is Guru Parampara because Guru Parampara means now we know what he would say." Hmm? <laughs> That is a Guru Parampara. That's why we need a Guru Parampara. <laughs> hmm? You don't have to wonder what would Prabhupada would say. Hmm? You, need a, you need a representative of Prabhupada in the link, the line. Then, this is how he lives on, and Krishna lives on, if you will, in the Guru Parampara. This is the whole idea of it. Hmm? So, the books are alive, and they're brought to life, and the more you, that you have been brought to life by the books and the Bhagavad person and so forth, the more that you can draw from the book. So there's a point, of course, where you can draw from the book, where you can associate with the commentators, so to speak, know what their argument, exactly what they're saying, what logic they're using, why, and so on and so forth. Hmm? 
then you start to speak the language of Vaishnavism. Hmm? This is this is this is when you become uh, will become a superlative devotee, hmm? and you can give those kind of answers like, Prabhupada, um, in a spiritual world, what happens to the prasadam after it's eaten? And he said, once you go there and find out. These are these are the perfect answers, <laughs> not just quoting some verse or something like that. But, Understanding the spirit and, uh, and so on and so forth. When I was with Prabhupada, we were walking in Vrindavan, and and one of the devotees said, "Prabhupada, you know, we, we're going on these parikrams. Uh, you know, we go we go from Vrindavan to yesterday. We went to 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 uh, to uh, um, Barsana, and we had to take a bus there. You know, and it was quite a distance and so forth. But we read in the Krishna book that Krishna's just you know going to these places." You know, in, in the night, you know, in the daytime, he's going from, uh, uh, you know, one place to Radhakund and back. And, and how, how does he, you know, how does it work? Perhaps at all. Vrindavan is like a lotus. And all these different locations are like the petals of the lotus. And when Krishna wants to go from here to here, the lotus closes up like that. You know, so, beyond. <laughs> So there's a point where, in studying the book, it becomes academic hmm? and thinking. And we think, we, we, try to, we try to become steady, so we inform our bhakti. We're trying to read every book and understand every argument. And we're going to capture the whole thing like this. Hmm? If we're fortunate, and we do that under good guidance, this is, we, this is an instance in which we're trying to make our tender faith, our heart, Strong and by way of bringing it in concert with our intellect, that our faith is well reasoned. This is an exercise for the intermediate devotee hmm? to to take the we, the tender heart and make it strong by reasoning. So you're looking and with your intellect, you're very much engaged. You study what is really being said here. What is the word for word? What is the meaning? What is the argument that this is against? Oh, he's speaking here against the the. The the, the 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 Sankhya philosophy. Then we go and study the Sankhya philosophy. You know, study the whole. So you try. <laughs> it's a good exercise. You try to be informed. But if we don't do that in the right way, with good guidance and so forth, oh, we may find that our heart, the metal of our heart, ends up melting in the fire of our intellectual uh, effort to harmonize it with our intellects, and faith becomes lost. So, under good guidance, this should be done. Hmm? Hmm? Therefore, two Bhagavatams, two Bhagavatas, and by them, Krishna says, we get, we get this praying. This is how it comes. Hmm? So, in, to study the book under good guidance, hmm? carefully, and difficult book to understand, Srimad Bhagavatam. Hmm? The, supreme, the, the, the supreme object, the absolute, is, is who's everywhere, is moving. How can you be everywhere and move at the same time? What is the power that is making him move and hmm, making him mad? He's he's omniscient. I was speaking earlier. He's omniscient. Hmm? He's all-knowing. But within all-knowing, within omniscience, within omniscience, there is the seed for unknowing. Hmm? The seed for unknowing is in omniscience. And as much as omniscience is boring. It's static. 
So the dynamism that arises out of that is a necessity for unknowing. But how can God be unknowing? So there's a divine unknowing. This is what we call Leela. Play. You know everything, so you play as if you don't. And then you play so hard that you don't know. <laughs> you actually don't know. And then we don't know. Is Krishna more God or is he more the son of Yashoda? And we think, he's more the son of Yashoda. Devi Jai Rade. Bhakti Devi. The power of Bhakti. We think, this is, Krishna's under the control of this. People ask, with, if the world comes from God, where does God come from? If the world comes from Krishna, where does Krishna come from? We have the answer, from Radha. Where does Radha come from? From Krishna. Radha Krishna Pranaya Vikriti Ladini Shakti Rasmad Ekatmanovapi Bhuvipura Deham Virogatoto Chaitanya Kam Prakatam Madana Taddayam Chaikyam Aptam Radha Baba Dutti Subalitam Nomi Krishna Swarupam. And you look carefully at Krishna, so you say, Look at Krishna, what do you see? I see beautiful form. Hmm? Um, Rupa Madhurdya. I see Venu Madhurdya. Keep looking, look close. What else do you see? Hmm? Uh, I'm looking at Krishna. Oh, there's another one there too. Hmm? Radha. Oh, now you're looking more closely at Krishna. Hmm? Now look closer. Look closer still. What do you see? Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? Now you've understood Krishna. <laughs> Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna in his deepest moments. Deepest moments. Most introspective moments. What am I? What is it about me that makes my devotees attractive to me? I have to find it out. I think they have something I don't have, and I'm God. It's having an existential crisis, Krishna. Hmm? God in existential crisis. Hmm? This is Krishna Leela. Hmm? And that existential crisis blooms and blossoms and bears fruit in the form of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and the Gaur Leela. We should not think that Gaur Leela is only the outreach to bring us to Krishna Leela. It appears like that. Oh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is giving the gift. We honor the giver, but we're concerned about the gift. Hmm? And he's Krishna, but he's acting as devotee of Krishna, so he's a little in the background. Krishna's the main focus. But if we, the more we enter into Krishna Leela, the deeper we go, we reach the zenith of that, we find ourselves in Gaur Leela. Hmm? Krishna trying to understand himself from Radha's perspective. Hmm? Deep. Hmm? Gaurila is, 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 makes Krishna Leela look shallow. Indeed. Gaurila is the answer to the, to the failure that is Krishna Leela. It's a failure. Hmm? Krishna could not taste the, the full limits of love hmm? in his Leela. So he needed to create another Leela. This is, of course, why we know that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna, because no other avatar would think like this. Hmm? No other avatar even has Prema Madhurya. What to speak of? Wanted to understand it. Hmm? So Gore must be Krishna. Hmm? These are the things we find out from Bhagavatam. Hmm? But who would know just by reading it? <laughs> who would know? Hmm? Where, you know, you read Bhagavatam and Krishna leaves Vrindavan, he goes to Mathura, then he goes to Dwarka, then he leaves the world. It's an interesting story. The Goswamis read the Bhagavatam and they say, wait a minute, 
He never went back to Vrindavan? That's impossible. He had to have gone back. How could he? The story's not over. So then you see from their commentary, they bring how he actually went back. You couldn't find that without hearing from them. So Sadhu illuminates the text in such a way that we could not on our own. So these two Bhagavats together in that company, then we can become strong in our bhakti. Our bhakti can become well informed and we become cornered. It's logically compelling. And where it fails logically, it wins with its charm. You may say, okay, Advaita and Vedanta and 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 Beda Bade, their arguments either way it can go so far, but it may be a stalemate from the objective point of view, but we have the trump card, the charm. Doctor Kapoor told me once, one of Prabhupada's godbrothers, he told me how he joined Godiamat. He was a Mayavadi. Hmm? So one sannyasi, disciple of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi Thakur, was preaching to the young Dr. Kapoor, and uh, he had strong Maya about arguments, and you know he couldn't he couldn't convince him. Hmm? He said, "Okay, I cannot convince you, but I'll bring it to our Guru Maharaj, Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi Thakur. He can convince you." So a meeting was arranged for Dr. Kapoor to meet with Saraswati Thakur, and so he was sat, sat in a room and waited for the Thakur to come in. He came in by himself. He walked in, he sat down, Dr. Kapoor said, and for 40 minutes he spoke about the Brajlila. He got up and walked out. He never made any argument about Mayavad, Vedanta, or anything. He spoke with such feeling for the Brajlila, I was convinced. This has, this has meaning. Hmm? This is what happened to Sukadev. Hmm? He was Swasuka. He had his own pleasure. He was Atmaram. Hmm? But then he heard those leelas, and that changed him. He didn't hear philosophy. <laughs> so Dr. Kapoor said, I was, I, was, I was converted then. And then he said, Saraswati Thakur invited me to go traveling with him. For six months I traveled. And after every class he would ask for questions, and I would raise my hand, and he would ignore me. <laughs> he said, and then one day I was sent for some service somewhere, and the, and the, the king in that district... Hmm. At the time, there were still kingdoms in India. In, the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in that, that kingdom, was before independence and so forth, they, uh, the Raj was entertaining one of the Shankara charges from the four moths of Advaita Vedanta. Hmm. Big man. And, you know, and so the king, it was the king's guru. And so there was a discussion of Vedanta. So Bhattacapur thought, let me go to that. It's, you know, and I'll, then I'll ask some questions, you know. And, and, uh, and so the, the Shankar entertained questions, and the young Dr. Kapoor was asking a question. He would give an answer and say, but, and then back and forth like this. And Dr. Kapoor found himself, found himself arguing the Gaudiya Vedanta successfully, <laughs> and he was getting, starting to get an upper hand, and he made an argument, and then the Shankar changed the ground. They were arguing on the basis of the Vyavaharic reality and he changed the ground of the Paramartic. It's technical. Anyway, so Dr. Kapoor said, I, I knew I had him. I kind of had him there. But I looked and the king's men had their hands on their swords. <laughs> so I thought, oh, I'm satisfied. I'm convinced. I don't need to try to convince everybody else of the cost of loss of my head, which I still need to use in my, the service of my Guru Maharaj. Hmm? So he realized that 
that, that, that all the, all the arguments had been defeated, so to speak, without so much directly having them dealt with by way of question and answer with this Guru Maharaj. And primarily, as I say, by the charm. Hmm? So, and this is some charming. Hmm? Are we talking about Krishna? That's charming. We become animated to hear that. So, this is, uh, this is the trump card of Gaudi Vaishnavism. Well, okay, logically, we got a good argument, you got a good argument, but we've got the more charming one. Yeah, well, that, nobody can argue with that. <laughs> really, Advaita Vedanta is not charming, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Huh? You know, all go, we'll, we'll find harmony by doing away with everyone else. That's not a very charming idea. Hmm? One note only does not make a concert. Many notes playing in harmony. Hmm? That is a much more charming idea than just one note. Hmm? So, anyway... This, uh, this, this, uh, to, 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 to study the scriptural argument, to become charmed by that, by immersion in the Bhagavat and so forth. This will considerably cleanse the heart, give us the, give us then the, the nourishment, if you will, to be the tolerant person. We didn't really get into it yet, but we'll have to do that tomorrow. Tolerance of the tree. He says, more tolerant than the tree. So. You know, and it's very appropriate in a sense with regard to Nishtabhita. The tree is rooted, it stands firm, it, it, doesn't, it holds its ground, it doesn't move. But uh, two kinds of tolerance hmm, also. Gita talks about a certain level of tolerance, then Bhagavatam talks about another level of tolerance. And here the level of tolerance is that he's demanding, Mahaprabhu is demanding, as part of the decorum of his devotees, is this Bhagavatam standard of... of um, Tolerance, where you where you cease from tolerating the world, by way of you've come to see that the world is 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 is, is favorable, is tolerating you, hmm? something like that. The world is tolerating me. I offer my respect to it, hmm? my pranam to everything everything everybody says and does. It's helping me. Yeah. Uh, we go into it tomorrow, but but of course this tolerance. In order to have this kind of tolerance. One has to, we shouldn't be confused about this. To be tolerant in bhakti is to be tolerant in the context of creating a favorable situation for your bhakti. Not that you remain in an unfavorable situation and think, I have to tolerate. No. (laughs) You also are to create a favorable environment for yourself. Find a favorable environment. Find Sangha. What is the term Rupa Goswami uses? Um, like-minded. Oh, Swajatiya. Swajatiya. Sangha is Swajatiya. You were said you were at a Sangha and you weren't, you couldn't fit in. It wasn't Swajatiya. Like-minded. Hmm? Snigdasya. Swajatiya. Affectionate and, and uh, like-minded draws one in. Therefore, there are different temples. Therefore, the different sects of Gaudi Vaishnava and different sentiments also. Sakyarasam, Madhurasam. Hmm? This is not to be done away with, to create just one monolith of one way to do everything. Our way is the only way and so forth. No. Hmm? There are many minds in the market. Hmm? Destinies. Hmm? Tastes. And it's all beautiful. Well, there should be variety. and so forth. And then, we, then we'll find that Sangha, that association that's it's affection, we feel affection there, and we feel it as 
like-minded, I could thrive in this. We are said to seek this. And then in the context of that, tolerate what it becomes. Not that you find yourself in an intolerable, unfavorable place for bhakti here, then we're going to be, we're going to, we're, we'll tolerate that. We are mandated to find a favorable place, a favorable place where we can hear kata that will nourish us, hmm? help us to grow and, and strengthen our understanding, challenge our understanding. Hmm? Not just pat us on the back and tell us we know and not just preach how we should preach to everybody else. Hmm. <laughs> and you should go out and save the world and, because you know everything. Hmm? No, <laughs> we know everything. Go out. <laughs> I mean, it's not said like that exactly, but sometimes the, the, the talks can get like that. <laughs> no, we should real. We should find a sangha that challenges our understanding. That we have to grow it to stretch. What did he say? He said it a little different. I'm not sure if that's right. Hmm? Go look it up in the book and, and go back and ask him tomorrow. Maharaj, you said this. No. Prabhupada said it like that. And then you let him resolve it and so forth and resolve the contradiction. Then you have a chance to grow. And this, is, this is a favorable environment. In a favorable environment where the tree has water and sun, it can grow and stand strong and tolerate hmm, the heat and, and, and grow in its tolerance to be compassionate. Thakur Bhaktivinoda sees the, the tolerance that Mahaprabhu asks for mandates here to be such that it grows into the extending of mercy to others, like the tree. If you go even to cut it down, it gives you shade while you do so. Hmm? Huh? In, the, in, the, in the cold, it gives, it gives warmth underneath it. In the, in, the, in the heat, it gives shade and coolness. Hmm? Uh, so in order to be such a, such a compassionate person, he, he actually sees the, the tolerance that Mahaprabhu was speaking of as is synonymous with compassion. It's a very interesting idea. Very central to to uh, to bhakti. So this kind of tolerance, and then of course he goes and not respecting, expecting honor for oneself, giving honor to others. These are the four mandates. We've gone a little beyond our allotted time. The rules have come to to, to inhibit our love. <laughs> But uh, are there any questions? A moment for that. What is the time? Okay. Well, we don't have time for questions. But anyway, so you please study these books nicely, find good association, hmm? and come and tell us about it. Hmm? There's good association over there. We'll go there for sure. We want that. Grantarasimad Bhagavatam ki jai, Gaurnatinanda ki jai, Lord Bhaktabrinda ki jai.